You are listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now here's your host, Darius Good. Welcome to another episode of The Divorced Christian Podcast Show. My name is Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. Visit our website when you get the chance, The Divorced christian.com we have quite a few links at the bottom of that page all those links are connected to a lot of the information that i teach here on this podcast show and that way you can see where i'm getting my information from you can explore those websites as well Um, i like the jewish websites like chabad.org or the jewish virtual library.com or the jewish encyclopedia.com These resources have been tremendous as rabbis are explaining the Torah and the laws of Moses. And it's really shifted my understanding of how Jews saw things, how they believe things, their understanding of their law and their legal system. And has brought tremendous understanding uh, to the Old Testament. And now as I'm reading through the New Testament, it's taken on a whole different light, as well as the teachings of Jesus because Jesus was a Jew and Jesus was born under the law of Moses. And so uh, we're going to jump back into our teaching on today on can divorced Christians remarry? This is going to be part two. On last week, part one, we, we covered our foundation to understand that the law of Moses is what Paul is speaking of in his New Testament writings. And so there is some discrepancy and we'll go through it briefly, but I encourage you to go back to part one as we went through and explained the law of Moses, the understanding we have to have concerning the law of Moses and how that will shift our understanding of what Paul is writing and explaining here in the New Testament. And so you are listening to episode 39 Can Divorced Christians Remarry? And today's teaching is coming from Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Uh, I do cover all this information there in the book. You can find information regarding the book and the website in the notes of today's episode, as well as on the website. But as we covered on last week, uh, and this was surprising to me, but one of the teachings is that in Romans chapter 7, at verse one, that Paul is not referring to the law of Moses, but he's referring to new laws that Jesus established. And this points back to his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount there in Matthew chapter five. And so we spent a considerable amount of time uh, explaining that uh, Jesus did not establish new laws and that Paul is really pointing to the law of Moses. And so we're going to go through Romans chapter seven, beginning at verse one. So encourage you to go back to part one again and then catch up with part two. But we're going to begin at Romans seven, verse one. Know ye not brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. So he's speaking to Jews who are familiar with the law. And what I found is I would say a large number of Christians do not know or understand the law of Moses. 
So they may have some understanding of the laws, but most of them don't know how the laws worked um, and how uh, they were used within their government. They have a poor understanding of the execution of the laws. And so they don't know the law. And Paul is clearly stating, I'm going to speak to those that know the law. So now he's going to explain how. So he's using the law in this reference or from this analogy or angle, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Now he's going to go into more explanation. Verse two, for the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. Now let's keep going so that we're not taking it out of context. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. And then he goes at verse four, wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Now we can stop there because he uses the word wherefore, which means he gave an example. So in verse one, he makes a point that the law has dominion over a man as long as he is alive or living. Then he gives an example and he points to the law of Moses of the husband and wife marriage bound by law. And then at verse four, he says, wherefore. So now he's come out of the example and he's now going to give the point that he's making. So he gives an example to bring clarity to the point that he is making. Now, this is what we've done. We've taken verse two and verse three, Romans seven, verse two and verse three. And we've built a New Testament doctrine out of these two verses. And they believe that Paul is talking about Christian marriage and he's establishing the laws associated with Christian marriage. But he's not. You got to read it in context. The point that he's making is that the law does not have dominion over a man as long as he is living. Now, let's remove the example of a husband and wife marriage. Let's go down to verse four. He says, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even him who was raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto dead. But now we are delivered from the law that we that being dead, wherein we were held that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Now, let me go back to our previous argument for them to say that this is based on new laws that Jesus established. I don't see how when Paul is consistently pointing to the law of Moses, this whole passage in context is not talking about something new that Jesus established in Matthew five on the Sermon on the Mount. It is clearly talking about the law of Moses. Now he's using the argument of the husband and wife relationship because he's talking about covenant, Old Testament covenant, and now New Testament covenant. 
But let me make another argument for you of understanding the law has dominion over a man while he is alive. We have this famous story of Jeffrey Epstein. That is a current story of our time era generation of a man that owned a private island that engaged in all kind of behavior um, with young children. And it's a horrific story. So many people are connected to this story. And Jeffrey Epstein was arrested and he was being held in prison. And as the story goes, he supposedly committed suicide. Now, I'm not telling this story to argue whether he did or didn't. But my point is, Jeffrey was never uh, prosecuted. He never stood in front of a judge. He was never given a sentence. A sentence was never carried out. So he never began to serve any time for the crime that he may or may not have committed because he was never found guilty. That's why I say it that way. The law has no dominion over him because the second Jeffrey died, whether by his own hands or the hands of somebody else, guess what? The case is dropped. The law has no dominion. You can't pronounce him, find him guilty, and now charge him and then uh, turn him over to a prison system for the extent of his life. When a man dies, the law comes to an end. Same with debt. And so we could point to so many areas, different areas, where the law now doesn't apply to a person because they're dead. And that's really the argument that Paul was making here. If you read it again in context, know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as he is alive. And so we're going to circle back around to this point and we're going to teach what Paul was explaining in this passage. We're going to teach it in context so that we don't miss out on what Jesus is teaching because we get into these dumb arguments over the examples that he used. All this is is an example. And people fight tooth and nail over the example and miss the point that Paul was making. The point he was making was not about the relationship between a man and a woman and their marriage. He's making the point regarding the Old Testament covenant and the New Testament covenant. But since we use this as our foundational teaching for New Testament Christians, I'm going to go through the example that Paul provided. So he's like, for example, and he didn't use that word, but I'm using it. In verse two, the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. Let's go on to verse three. So then, so then, so now he's going to continue in his argument or in the example. If while her husband's alive or liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married 
to another man. And so Christians read this passage and they draw the conclusion that as long as her husband is alive, living, breathing, kicking, this means that a woman cannot remarry until he dies. But Paul is pointing to the law of Moses. And that's clear as you read Romans 7 in context. If you go down to verse 4, he says, You are also become dead to the law. We're dead to the law. That's the law of Moses. Not whatever we believe Jesus established. We, we can't be dead to what Jesus established. So we're dead to the law of Moses. So that's the context of what Moses is pointing to. So my question to you, as I've had this argument with several ministers, where's the law in the law of Moses that states that a woman can only remarry once her husband dies? If Paul is pointing to the law of Moses, we should be able to go to the Torah and find the law that says a woman is bound to her husband until he dies. And this is where the argument now goes into Jesus changed the law, because that's the only way you can make that passage make sense with your explanation. Jesus would have had to have changed the law of Moses, but he didn't. But I can show you in, in the scriptures, I can show you in the Torah about the laws of marriage and how this works. So now let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 24. And this is where we have the law of divorce. And as I said, in all my teachings, if you've been listening to the podcast show, they don't realize that the laws of marriage is also a part of this passage. And so when you begin at Deuteronomy 24, verse one, when a man takes a wife, taking of the wife is the betrothal in which a, a uh, marriage agreement must be drafted by a scribe, must be signed by bride and groom, and also two non-relative witnesses. At which point, the marriage is now legally binding, but the wife and the husband cannot fulfill their obligations until the nuptials, which during their time, took place about a year later. In modern time, they do it all pretty much within the same day. So we got these two parts, the betrothal and the marriage. When a man hath taken a wife and married her, that's the exchanging of the vows. And it come to pass that she finds no favor in his eyes. So, now, so we just read the laws of marriage. So now wife finds no favor in the husband's eyes because he's found some uncleanness in her. Then he is required to write her a bill of divorcement and place it in her hand and send her out of his house. The two parts, the bill of divorcement and the sending out of his house. Selah. That word selah is important because men were doing that without the divorcement. They were just sending the women away. So now Paul, I'm sorry, uh, Moses required men to have a bill of divorcement given to the wife. So the process, as you can't find in the scriptures, but if you uh, just go through the traditional Judaism, the process was the wife would bring the ketubah, the marriage agreement, to the court, stating what she's to receive in case of a divorce. Now that the husband wants to divorce her, this is what he's obligated to pay her based on their agreement. 
at which point she hands the ketubah back to the husband, and then the husband was to hand her her bill of divorcement. The bill of divorcement is called a get. The get was not written by the husband. It had to be written by a scribe. So he hands her her bill of divorcement, and then he is to send her away because he has made payment in full. Their divorce agreement has been paid in full. She's going to receive whatever land, whatever money, whatever that was, whatever was written in that agreement. That's what she receives as she departs from the house. And so anything other than that was not viewed as a legal divorce in the nation of Israel. And what men were doing was they were simply leaving. Now, abandonment, because of the way the law was written, the man had to place the bill of divorce in her hand. If he was not present in court, she could not get a divorce. So it created this major problem when men decided, I'm just going to leave. So they would abandon their wives. And if you can't find him, then you can't force him uh, in, to, to come to court because there were certain just causes for which a woman can go to the court and request that they compel her husband to divorce her. But if you can't find him, you cannot compel him. And because of the laws regarding uh, polygamy, where the man could marry multiple women, well, he doesn't have to present a get to a priest in order to marry. And so he was able to marry multiple women. And Jesus was hammering the fact that this should not be because you're keeping these women's money. Uh, they're keeping their dowries, which was their family's inheritance. They were stealing from these families by keeping the, the, the dowry as well as the divorce payment, which is the ketubah. They're keeping large amounts of wealth by just disappearing on these women. And so the law was designed so that this would not be the case. But there's a loophole in the, in the law because of the allowance of the man having multiple wives. And just so we're very, very clear on this topic, because most Christians don't understand, but a one, uh, the, the man could not simply marry multiple women without the consent of the wife. The wife was required to give consent if he married an additional wife. And it had to be written into their marriage agreement. And so that points back to the story of Abraham and Sarah, where Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham to be a wife. That was her decision. She consented in the matter. It was her idea. And because of that, this is how the law was established, that a man could not just marry a bunch of women, but it had to be done at the consent of his wife. And of course, according to the book of Exodus, she could not receive uh, less um, as far as food and clothing and uh, also her relationship with her husband, the conjugal. None of that can be reduced as a result of him taking on another wife. You can find this written in Exodus 21, verse 10. If he takes him another wife, her food, her raiment and her duty of marriage Shall he not diminish? Now watch this, verse 11. This is Exodus 21, 11. And if he, if he do not these three unto her, then shall she go out free 
without money. So you see the stipulations within the law where the man is required to maintain these three things with his wife as a part of their agreement, as a part of their ketubah, their marriage agreement. And if uh, he refuses to do these three, three things, then the woman had the right to go to the court and complain that her husband has broken their marriage agreement. He broke and violated their ketubah. And so these laws are important because this is what Paul is pointing back to in his teachings here. So in Romans chapter seven, as he's given these examples, those that are familiar with the law understand what Paul is talking about. Now, let's keep going. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, these are the laws regarding marriage and the laws, laws regarding divorce. Once the man gave her the bill of divorcement, place it in her hand and sends her out of her house at verse two, Deuteronomy 24, verse two, when she is departed out of his house, she may then go and be another man's wife. So she could not remain in the house and be another man's wife. She was required to leave and then she was free to be another man's wife. Now it goes on in states at verse three. If the latter husband, if this woman's second husband now hates her and he gives her a bill of divorce. So this is her second marriage. Now she's entering into a second divorce. He places it in her hand, sends her out of his house. And then it says, or very key word, or if the latter husband dies. Now we're dealing with death and this woman is now a widow under both circumstances, whether she's divorced the second time or is now a widow, she cannot go back to her first husband. So this example is given of these two potential scenarios, one of a divorce or one of death. But both will bring the marriage covenant to an end. Now, if we go back to verse four, her former husband which she who has sent her away may not take her again. So she can never go back to her former husband. And the scripture explains that this is an abomination before the Lord and thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an, an inheritance. What am I explaining? I'm explaining that there are two ways in which a marriage comes to an end based on the law of Moses. The law, the marriage came to an end based on the divorce or based on the husband dying. Based on a divorce or based on the husband dying. This is standard Judaism. So this is not an argument that's up for, the, for debate. You can contact a rabbi. You can ask them questions. This is how they view the law of Moses based on Deuteronomy chapter 24. There's two ways to end a marriage through a divorce once the woman received her bill of divorcement or through the death of the spouse. Now, if you look at this word bill of divorcement used in Deuteronomy chapter 24, and it's used in several passages, but we'll just use this one word. The word divorcement is karithuth, and that word means divorce, dismissal, or divorcement. 
It comes from the root word karat, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correct, but it's K-A-R-A-T, and that word means to cut, to cut off, cut down, cut off a body part, cut out, eliminate, kill, cut a covenant, to cut a covenant. And so the covenant comes to an end through the bill of divorcement. Let's go to Matthew 5, because Jesus makes his statement at verse 31. In Matthew 5, 31, it hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. Those are the two parts, putting away of the wife, that's the sending away, and then writing of divorcement. Now this word, writing of divorcement, is a Greek word. The first word we looked at were Hebrew. Now we're looking at the Greek words. This word is apostation. And this word means divorce. It means repudiation. But if you go into the root word, that word is aphistime. And it means to make stand off, cause to withdraw, or to remove. Now, if you remember, to remove, we're dealing with the concept of two shall become one. Aphistime is made up of two words. The first word is apo, A-P-O, which means of separation. So it deals with the concept of separating or the separation of a part from a whole. It means of any kind of separation of one thing from another by which the union or fellowship of the two is destroyed. Jesus never uses word apostation again. Those that are opolio, those that are separated, you're still married. You only sent your wife away. And so on next week, we're going to look at Romans chapter 7. I'm going to show you what we keep missing in, in Paul's example to the church regarding marriage. Thank you for joining us on today. If you're listening to my podcast show, remember to like, share, and subscribe and be blessed. You've been listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius, or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.